0: Yeah, we're on to our next in the series on the narrow path. Of course, this is always a fun series, a talk to talk about the narrow path. Doesn't that just like encourage you and lift you up, make you feel good? (laughs) Our talk last week was very impactful. A lot of you um, were very deeply moved, particularly... Uh, after that video, that clip that we showed you from, um, you know, that, that uh, horrible story of the shooting that took place with the off-duty police officer Amber Geiger um, walking into what she thought was her apartment and then shooting both um, uh, Botham Jean um, and killing him. And then the brother um, addressing um, Amber Geiger, the off-duty poli- or the police officer, and forgiving her and saying... Um, even wishing that I did you didn't have to go to prison to that level of forgiveness and just a really powerful and impactful moment, and I related that to being the narrow path that's the that's different than what anybody else had been walking. Uh, he got a lot of flack for it, but he was true to what he discerned was his path to take his 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 right path, and all of us have that. Uh, and we have to discern that. And so <clears throat> Jim and I were talking this week about contextualizing this a little bit more because I sort of just dove into the narrow path talk and wanted to you know, pan out a little bit, give you a bit of context for where this is situated uh, in the Bible, what it means to um, what it meant to them, and, and what it could mean to us. Um, I'm really excited about today's talk because it so there's some really juicy things in terms of discerning your own path and how to do that. Uh, so we're calling this Gates and Roads, and um, let me reread to you. Or first of all, show you the image of what would have been conceived of as a gate. So there's this famous. Passage that has been used over and over again in various different ways across the globe, and that is the narrow path, narrow way, you know, versus the wide path. It's a concept, really, and it's used by so many people. It's not original to Jesus; it predates him. Uh, the the uh, uh, Greeks and, and Romans used it. Um, A lot of philosophers used it. It was a common way of saying there's two roads you can take in life and, and one will bring you success. The other one will bring you failure. Um, And so they would commonly speak in those ways. One will bring you uh, destruction. One will bring you life. Jesus takes that. And by the way, most of the scriptures that you read are what's in there. It's not what makes it the word of God is not its originality. Like, oh, it's never been said before. Wow. This is cool. No, it's actually that it was said in a way that had never been said before. It's not that they said something that it never is, but it's the way and the message is so profound and deep that it reverberates for generations. It's so revolutionary that to this day, we keep reading it and going, oh my goodness, there's more insight to be discovered here. And uh, it still challenges us to grow. And so, um, so this narrow gate, narrow path, wide gate, wide path, this concept is, would have evoked an image to the minds of uh, the early listeners. So Matthew is where we're situated in terms of the Bible. Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. That's who he's addressing. And what he's trying to say at the beginning of Matthew is Jesus is Israel and Israel is within Jesus. Okay, you're with me so far. This is not a new concept. Every Jewish person would have believed because of tradition, tradition, you know, that, that kind of every Jewish person would have believed inside them. They embodied the history of their people as an individual. Right? So you get you, you even think in terms of social structures, right? You get the big social structure, uh, people, society, and then you have your 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 the new, more nucleus, the family and then the individual. Whatever the, the, the society, whatever its movement is, its transformation, its growth, or it's, you know, uh, going down a wrong path. All of that is also embodied within the individual. We parallel similar journeys. Our individual journeys look a lot of times like social or bigger uh, group type journeys. So um, it's not a new concept to the listeners. They would have said, well, of course, every one of us embodies the story of Israel, except that Jesus actually walked the path that was the right path. And that's the distinction Matthew is making. And so he parallels Jesus as being one who went into the desert just like Israel did and he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. And Israel was tempted for 40 years and 40, you know, 40 years length. And then Jesus exits that and, uh, and is baptized by John the Baptist. That's, math, that's in Matthew. Well, that parallels Israel leaving Egypt and crossing the Red Sea and going through their baptism, right? So he's doing all this clever stuff, setting it all up. So that's the first few chapters. And then we get to chapter 5 where Jesus climbs up a mountain and then gives commands. For those of you who know a little bit of your Bible, what does that sound like if it's paralleling Israel? Moses. Moses. It's a parallel to Moses. Moses goes up on the mountain, Mount Sinai. He receives the Ten Commandments from God, plus the total, which were 613 commandments in all. But the ten were the big ones, and the 613 were the fleshing out of those ten you with me so far? Okay, so Jesus, when he does it, he goes up and he gives eight beatitudes or commands or wisdom sayings. And then after that, he dives more deeply into them. So he talks about murder. He talks about loving your enemies. He talks about adultery. He talks about oaths. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't, don't go into all this stuff, other stuff, right? So he's doing all of this because he's working out the Beatitudes at a deeper level, just as Moses did. But interestingly, he's not seeking out a crowd because he goes up to a mountainside and his disciples follow him. And then he begins to teach them. If you're going to have a, if you're going to brand yourself, And start your own big business and company and get on social media. That's the last thing you do. You don't pull away from people and have people have to follow. You don't make it difficult. You with me? You don't make it difficult if you want to grow your thing. You make it as easy as possible. You want to get as many likes. You want to get as many eyes on it. And Jesus doesn't do that. He pulls away. He makes it more difficult to actually discern the way. So he's modeling up to this point. If you think in terms of the first section of Matthew 1 through 7 is what we're looking at. It's really this idea of there's two ways. There's a narrow way, wide path. Jesus in his very actions, is not just preaching narrow path and wide path. He is modeling it. I'm pulling away and I'm going on the mountainside. And the disciples are like, dang it. Why do you have to do this? <sighs> Huffing and puffing, climbing the mountain. Jesus, about lunchtime and he's still talking. (laughs) Um, And so he begins to give them all these Beatitudes and then he works it out. And then as he's working it out, so chapter 5 is the start to the Beatitudes. When we get to chapter 7, this is where he says, well, this verse right here, Matthew 7, 13. Enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Um, All right. Let's talk about gates. You saw the image of um, right here, uh, the the temple. This is what would have been in, in their minds in terms of gates. This is a big gate. People walk in, people walk out. What were the, what's the purpose of gates in, in the ancient world? Keep you up, exactly. Particularly particularly people that are, might be threats, right? The undesirables, the people that you don't want coming into your city. At night, during the day, it's fine. They open the gates, people come in, there's commerce going in and out, you know, people um, visiting, traveling, all, all sorts of things. That produces this economy, which is very much how the ancient world functioned. Um, the Temple was a central place, and there 's a lot of exchange money this, it, was, it was the economic um, i guess uh, what would you call it the the system and um, and so gates would be shut at night to protect. Um, So if you were to think of this place, the city of Israel, being the city of Jerusalem, being the place where you would want to be, because it was the place where, by the way, ancient world always thought, particularly since the Greeks, always thought the city as the best place, the place of the greatest, the glory of mankind okay because they're the best philosophers best education the culture was wonderful outside of that were these barbaric tribes they were backwards they were they were uh, they were you know uh, people who aren't educated uh, uncultured and so Greeks thought that way so did romans and israel to some sense had that same image but it was this is the place where god lives this is the glory of god this is the glory of of us so Wouldn't it have made sense for Jesus to have said, or the way that this would have looked is, uh, walk along the narrow path, enter into the narrow gate to the place where God lives, to, to heaven. But here he says, enter the narrow gate, the narrow path that leads to life. So what does that speak to? Journey versus destination, doesn't it? Because they're already, I mean, if you're, if you're in the city, you're at a destination. Why would I exit that other than to go and do, do commerce or to visit family? But that's a treacherous path for them. Every time you left the city, that was dangerous. The roads were unsafe people. There were a lot of thieves laying wait for, uh, for travelers uh, to, to come along. But Jesus says, there's a different picture here that I'm painting about what it means to find life. You can find life or you can find destruction. One way to find life is not by staying in the comfort and in the safety of your gated city, whatever that is in your own life. It's always about this journey. It's always about leaving that space, going on this treacherous journey, because there you will find life. So it's no wonder that Luke, the author Luke, when he's writing his book called Acts, And he says, Jesus said to the the disciples, stay here in Jerusalem. Then he goes on and says, you will be witnesses for me here in your nice safe zone called Jerusalem. Then Judea. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, that's, that's, okay, stretch, but we can do Judea. That's outside of Jerusalem. Oh, and Samaria. Are you kidding me? We don't like those Samaritans. They're half-breeds. They're not us. They're of a different ethnicity, different religion. They're not us. Yeah, I want you to go there. You're going to be witnesses of me in Samaria. And then guess what? The uttermost parts of the world, the places you would never want to ever go, that's where you're going to go. So you're going to leave the city, the comfort, and the gates. You're going to travel along a narrow path, and that's where you're going to find me, and you're going to find life. So God is found on the path. (laughs) Darn it. Be nice if it was found in church on Sunday morning all the time and only here. It's great. I like it too. But it seems he says, no, you have to get onto your journey, your path. And guess what? Like we said last week, it's a small gate. You know what small gates, the design of small gates in the ancient world were? You could only fit one person in at a time means it's your individual journey, your path. You can't go through that gate with someone else. Not even the person you're married with. Not your sister, not your brother, not your, your son or daughter, not your parents. Well, I was born as a Christian, I was baptized in the Catholic Church, and I then... You know, or I, was, I got baptized in the evangelical church and I converted and, and, and now I'm in. And my parents did, so I'm in, you know, it's good. I'm in the city. Whew, I've arrived. <laughs> and not so much. Not so much because Jesus says, no, you, you see, that it's a narrow gate. You have, to, you have to work your way through it. And oftentimes, well, all the time, it's an individual, personal and a decision you make alone. It's hard. It's hard because you know that you're going to go there alone, but you'll never be alone. Because it is there on the path that you discover other people who have also gone on the narrow path. And you're like, oh, you're here too. Yeah, don't tell anybody. (laughs) My family's still wondering where I'm going and what I'm doing. And it's yeah, me too. <laughs> isn't it hard? Oh, it killed me. It's the hardest decision I had to make. But isn't it wonderful? Oh yeah, it's the best decision I've ever made. Isn't that crazy? When you know you're walking the path, that's your path, that's the right path, It's the path that Christ has you on, it's both the hardest thing you've ever done and it's the best thing you've ever done and you would never want it any other way. So what are some ways to discern? Um, How do you find your gate uh, and how do you find your road? So let's look at the verses and I didn't put them up here because it's far too many. um, And I'm going to sort of scan through them, uh, which is, by the way, a good practice when you're trying to understand context is don't drill down to the individual verses themselves or you'll get lost because there's so much ancient context in there that you might like get caught up in that. So pan back out, read the whole thing in a chunk, and then you'll start to get a sense of flow. And at first it's difficult, it's kind of clunky, but eventually you start to to, to see the flow of that. So Matthew chapter um, seven, before we get to this verse of the narrow path, the narrow road, he starts out by saying, "Do not judge or you will be judged." Then he says, uh, "Why do you look at the speck? Remember this one? The speck in someone's eye when you've got a, <laughs> you've, you've, got a you've got a massive beam or plank in your own, dude. <laughs> Get that thing out before you start judging anyone else." And you know that feeling, you've had that. You've looked at someone that's judging someone else, and you're like. Like, why the heck? How could you do that? Like, the very thing you're judging the person of, you're like the worst at it. You're like, this person did did it one time. You do it every single day, and you're judging that person. Like, we see this all the time, right? But we see it in our own selves. So Jesus says, look at your own self. Don't look at someone else. Start there. So look at yourself. Remove it. Now, stay with the context of this thing. Narrow path. Narrow road, wide path, wide path. So stay within that because the whole thing of seeing now has entered in. You have to be able to see. And if you've got a plank in your own eye, you can't help somebody else who's not on the right path. You gotta get that out of your out of your eye. What what is he suggesting here? Well, there are certain vices that you and I have that prevent us oftentimes from moving forward in our own spiritual journey. We have our issues, we got our struggles. It's not to shame them. Shame is the wrong way of dealing with vices and problems you have. That's just you trying to work yourself out. There's a different way. But he says, you've got a plank you can't see. You got to get rid of that before you can do anything in terms of helping anybody else get on the path or for you to be able to see your own path. But then he says this, He jumps over to ask, seek, and knock. Now, if you were to read those two together, don't judge. And then the next section is ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. You would say, he just bounced. He's got ADHD, clearly. (laughs) Because why would you go from judging to this? And then, oh, but then he jumps over to the next thing, and he says, enter through the narrow gate. And for wide is the gate, and broad is the road. that. Why are you jumping all over the place? Could we not stay with one thought and develop that? But Matthew is curating the teachings of Jesus, and he's arranging them in a certain order because he's trying to make a point. And the point I think he's making here is that there are times where you have a beam or a plank in your own eye, and you can't see to help anybody else. And the temptation oftentimes is to become judgmental of other people. And... Let me just say a little bit more about that. So hang with me here. This is what happens when you're not playing the game. Let me use another metaphor, professional sports. When you are in the game and you're a player, you are a bit humbler than your own fans. (laughs) You know what I mean? I love Mike Tyson's little everybody Everybody's going to plan until they get hit in the face, you know, until they get punched. It's like, you know so sure what you're going to do. I got this. Until you get into the game and then you're, whoa, didn't expect that twist. Um, of course, the best coach in the entire history of all sports is Bill Belichick. I, yeah. I, that's an assumption I'm making that you all hold as well. Good. Um, So I think he's going to go down as one of the as as the best, or or, uh, at least one of the best, because I think one of the things that he's always taught his players is this concept of, you know, not certainty. There's no bravado. There's no like this rah rah rah, woohoo, we're going to kill them. We're going to be doesn't allow that. It's like no, you don't know because you can't control. You're smart enough to know this. You can't control the outcome of anything. You cannot control the outcome. Of the game. You can't control for things that are surprises that are unexpected. You don't know exactly what's going to come your way. But this is the thing. If you prepare for your work, your path, your journey, then you will be able to have some level of confidence. And that's the difference between confidence and certainty. Certainty is I know the outcome. It's the fan, the nerd who has studied every statistic about their team. And they're so sure that if they would just do X, Y, and Z, they're going to win. And then there's the one who actually plays the game. And that one doesn't hold that level of certainty. It's much more a, this is going to be a tough game. Yeah, but you're playing the Jets. Oh, they always give us a tough game. But that's why we blew them out last week. It's because we don't ever take anything for granted. We don't presume or assume anything. The path, and this is so important to understand, the path, if you're going to walk on the path, it's the path of the unknown. You don't know the path. None of us do. Well, but Jesus said he was the way. And how helpful was that to his disciples? Have you read the gospels? (laughs) Not at all. It was another wisdom saying that they would have to figure out and it would take generations for them to work that out. What does it mean that he's the way? It's a very, very difficult thing because we don't know the outcome. But here's the wisdom. You have to walk the path. And as you walk the path, then you'll know it's first do and then understand, not understand and then do. Are you with me? That's the spiritual journey. It's true from Genesis right to Revelation. There's not a single past story you can read where it doesn't involve first obedience, surrender, go, move. Abraham. Yeah? Who's talking? It's God. What God? I worship a bunch of them. Yeah. Here's what I want you to do, Abraham. Get up, leave your home. And just, just do that. Well, that's really helpful. Thank you. I know exactly what to do, how much to pack for, (laughs) GPS it. I mean, I know what to do now. I got it. Thank you. I got a destination. I can GPS it. No, you can't. That's not the spiritual path. The spiritual path is you have to first leave. And then as you leave, then you'll know. And that's what happens. So for Jesus, it's the starting point of, first of all, Get the plank out of your own eye so that you can see. But if you can't see and you struggle and you're dealing with not knowing, then here's a thing that's also true ask, seek, keep knocking. It's a persistent, in the Greek, it means to keep doing it. It doesn't mean to do it once, it's a repetition of keep asking, keep asking. But God's not answering me right. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Jesus, why are you going up the mountainside? Couldn't you make it easier? We could do this around lunch, food. It'd be great. We could sit down, relax, and you can teach us. No, you have to seek. And I'm going to model this for you because I'm going to disappear on you. (laughs) And I'm going to keep disappearing on you and you're going to have to keep seeking and you're going to have to keep knocking. But every time you do, here's the promise. My father in heaven is good and God will always answer you. If you keep seeking and you keep asking and you keep knocking, the door will be opened to you. That's the guarantee and that's the confidence you can go on this path with. I don't know and I don't need to know. I can relax into the mystery of not knowing. One of my favorite authors, and I'll paraphrase the way he says this, is he says, mystery is not something that you can't know. It is something that is eternally, you will eternally be knowing. You will forever be uncovering and discovering. And that's the way the path is, is you start on it in it's complete mystery. But as you go, it starts to open up and open up and you understand more and you understand more and you understand more. And then you can turn around to the person who's just walked through the gate and you can say, come with me. It's a good path. It's a hard path. But I promise you this, if you keep taking that step and you keep asking, and you keep seeking, and you keep knocking, the door will ever be opened unto you and you will keep understanding even more than you ever understood before, but it requires you to step out and start. And that's the path. And all of us have this this thing that we know we're supposed to do. It pops up every once in a while. We conveniently have a way of repressing it and forgetting it, but it'll pop up and it'll nag you. You know, you're supposed to go here this is the path. Nah, I don't want to. And then we forget about it. <laughs> and then it comes back up. Nah, gee, I don't want to. And we forget about it. But that's the one that keeps knocking on your door that asks you for you to answer it too. In the same way that you knock on the door, seeking and asking God, that thing keeps knocking on your door. And I wonder if in part, that's what revelation has in mind when Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone will open it, I will come in, sit with him and eat with him. It's, there's a, there's a path that is calling out to you. Come, come, let me come in. Let me eat with you. Come on this journey. It's a good journey. So I want to, um, for just reflection during the time of worship, I'd like us to think about what is the, what is the path that um, that's mine to take that maybe I'm avoiding. What's the thing that I'm I'm trying to uh, to have the answers for before I, I move out. I keep saying, oh please give me, give me, give me direction, God. You know those prayers, God, give me wisdom, give me direction. And there's nothing that comes back in response. Well, keep asking, it's good. But you know what, the, probably the reason why there's no answer and probably the reason why there's silence on the other line is because you're asking for something that God will never give you. <laughs> and that is to know the certainty of the path before you ever enter into it. And that's because the very act of walking on the path is the very act of transformation. As you walk on the path, you become transformed. And God is far more interested in your growth and transformation than God is in your ultimate destination. Now I'm ta- not talking about heaven, like God, you know, talking about um, the, the end product of decisions you make. God is far more interested in what it does to you, the process of Transformation. And so ask yourself that question, is there something that's going on, something that I've been resistant to? Maybe there's some things that are like planks in my eyes that are preventing me from ever seeing, and that's because I just don't wanna see. I don't wanna see. So I drown myself in different ways. I drown myself through addictions, I drown myself through escapes, I drown myself through busyness, I drown myself in all sorts of ways but the way that Christ has asked me to walk in. Maybe that's what's in your way. And maybe instead of judging and standing on the outside and pointing at people who aren't playing the game right, because that makes us always feel better, right? It's like, I'm not, at least I'm not as bad as this dude over here. you know. So that's always a way to quickly fit, make yourself feel a little bit better, right? Just go hang out with people who have it worse off than you, and then you come back, you're like, man, you know, thank God, you know. So instead, and turn away from judgment of other people, turn towards you. And you'll be humble by that process. You'll be humble by the journey. And you'll be much more of a person who's a careful physician who looks at another person and says, "I'm with you. I've been there. It hurts." Let me help you. And there's no pride in it. There's no arrogance. There's just pure humility. And people pick that up and they see that and it creates a safe space for them. So I invite you to consider leaving the space of being the spectator and enter your journey. And one last thing. Again, for those of us who maybe have been raised in the model of a religion that is sort of like once you're in, you're in. It's like you're, you're now one of us. <laughs> You've been blessed. That's all religion. No, none of us get, get away from that. Not my denomination, nobody. So it's forever this thing of, it's not me entering into anything, into a system that I did 20 years ago, 30 years ago, five years ago. It's me saying, what is the path that I must walk on now today? Because the narrow path and the narrow gate is always something that shows up before me and I get to choose today. Am I gonna enter the game? Because at any point I can get out of the game and start becoming a spectator. Wow, that hit was really hard. I think I'll just step out of the game and start watching again. It's a lot more comfortable from my couch, my remote with a beer in my hand. (laughs) so much difficult, so much more difficult to get back out there and get knocked down. And so if you've stepped to the side and you've been kind of like, okay, I needed a break. Okay. You've been, your break has gone on now for about three years. (laughs) You ready? I'm still thinking about it. (laughs) It's okay. Just notice where you are and show grace and mercy to yourself in that space. Like, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at but I like to get back into the game because there's no better place to be than in that space. That's where life is.